What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Roll for Persuasion. I am Andrew. This is my show, and I am so glad that you guys are here joining me for another episode where we talk about awesome D&D, nerdy, entertainment, gaming, really kind of whatever I feel like on any given week stuff with my very cool guests. Today's guest is no exception. She is exceptionally cool, and we will be talking to her in just a second. But first, I would like to say thank you to my fantastic sponsor, Talon and Claw, for supporting the show, helping make sure it happens. If you love awesome wooden accessories for your D&D tabletop games, if you like dice cases, dice sheaths, rolling trays coming soon, DM screens, go check them out, talonandclaw.se.com. You can use the code ROLLPERSUASION at checkout to save 10%. They support the show. Your purchases support the show. And uh, I appreciate that. So definitely go check them out, talonandclaw.etsy.com. And with that, let's go ahead and jump into it because this week I have a very special guest, uh, my partner at the D&D table and in life, uh, Desiree. What's going on? Hey, not much. You were the easiest guest to book of any guest that I have had on the show. So thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. So you and I, we are married. Um, We've uh, been married for years now and we've been together for over a decade, which is kind of crazy to me at least. Yeah. We met in college and uh, you, you were well aware of of my nerdy interests early on. Um, but then the more we've been together, the more we've been playing games. And then eventually, you know, uh, kind of at your prompting, we got into Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. So what was um, your kind of, uh, first, I don't remember which of us suggested it, actually. I want to say it was you that, that might sounds, have initially said it. That sounds right. Like, I don't remember what prompted it or what brought it up. Like, I wanted to play in high school and I think I heard about it from the My Chemical Romance music video, where at the intro of um, I'm Not Okay, I Promise, when he's like, you like D&D, Audrey Hepburn, da, 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 and all these things. And I was like, well, if Gerard Way likes D&D, then I need to get into D&D. And, um, but I never did because I never, you know, I asked one of my friends about it and he was like, well, you need a DM. And I was like, I don't, Okay. Um, but yeah, and then I, one day we were talking and I was like, we should play D and D I think it was just there. Like, I asked you about it or something. And then it kind of went from there. Yeah. Well, and we'll, uh, we'll talk about our first, uh, couple of D and D experiences in a minute, but, but before that, um, let people know who you are, like, what do you do? Uh, tell everyone about you kind of in a nutshell real quick. Uh, my name is Desiree and I learn stuff. I don't, true. Yeah, I don't know. I think that was, I don't really like the what do you do question. That's fair. Um, but yeah, I like I am just a very curious person and I like learning. And so that's pretty much what I spend my time actively doing. Um, but I went to college for um, I got a degree in theology and then I got my master's degree in psychology, um, licensed professional counselor. And I worked for uh, several years and then I got pregnant and we flooded in Harvey. And so I stopped working and now I am, um, mostly being a stay at home mom, but we're also, as you know, in the middle of starting our own business, uh, related to the psychology, mental health and wellness world. Yeah. And I I wanted you to mention your psychology background and work and, and I liked your way of putting it that you are someone who learns. Because I think, and, and we'll talk about this, but I think a lot of that plays out in how you play D&D, how you create your characters. Um, and, and it's kind of very cool to see you bring your very own unique background to the game that we play. Yeah. So so you suggested, I, I think so, because we've been playing some different tabletop games with our gaming group for a while um, that were kind of you know, RPG light, if you will. 
we kind of got a little taste and I, I think you threw out the D and D idea and then I started kind of researching it. And then, um, we found people on Craigslist who were looking for people oh, to God. play. I always kind of forget about this yeah. part now. Yeah. Looking to play, uh, Dungeons and Dragons. And we met them at a Starbucks for kind of like a introduction, like, are, are we too weird to hang out? Right. Kind of thing. Um, and then they ended up inviting us over to their house and, and we played kind of a, we made characters and played and it was all very on the fly. Mm-hmm. And on top of all that, they had cats, which you are deathly allergic to. Well, not deathly. I mean, it's not like an EpiPen situation, but it's With like, enough cats, I feel like it could be. Uh, okay. But like, yeah, like they were very like kind people. They were great people. And like, let's back up a minute and say why we did this, which is because like our like very best friends who we wanted oh, to yeah, play with this. were very reticent to like the the husband of this couple was like you know like we can't admit this to anyone like if people ask what we're doing on Sundays just tell them like we're watching football you know which is hilarious because I'm not into sports at all and I was like no one's going to believe I'm watching football right. but um they were like you you got to test it out first to see you know like is is this legit like or is this good like you know this is a slippery slo- slope to like just like irredeemable nerd town so we're like, which admittedly it kind of has been, but uh, yeah, it's like but, a frog in the boiling water. Yeah, but now there's slow. no shame about it, you know. Right. We, like, we, there's the football lie is long gone, but um, so yeah, so we met these people, they were really nice, like, they helped us build characters, they explained kind of like the basic mechanics of the game and everything. And, and but like, we told them, we're like, look, like, I'm allergic to cats, and like, oh gosh, and they had so many cats, and it was just like, there, it was like, there's like cat hair in the air kind of situation. And I was just like, y'all like, I can't like, I can't breathe. Like, I'm like, we're sorry. Like we're not going to be able to play with you guys. And, um, so we kind of, you know, backed out of that situation. And then I think you and, um, and our, one of our friends, you guys went to go try and find a DM for well, us well, before that. Okay. Um, cause before that, remember I ran, well, that kind of ended up proving oh, to us that the yeah, game yeah. was interesting. So mm-hmm. we ran the lost minds of Fandelver. Yeah. Um, I DM'd it and that, and everybody made characters and that yeah, was, it was super fun. Yeah. It was learning on the fly. And, uh, I think it was really kind of the best way to learn D and D cause it was mm-hmm. like, you know what? This book is overwhelming. Spell slots make no sense. Let's just play. <laughs> yeah. And we did. And it was fun. And yeah, mm-hmm. eventually uh, me and my friend, we conducted DM interviews. Um, we thought we found one and then he uh, just disappeared on us. We had a lovely lunch at California Pizza Kitchen and uh, we thought we got along really well. And then he uh, went on vacation in Europe, sent me a few pictures <laughs> and then never, <laughs> never emailed again. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah. And so then eventually we did find a DM who's, who's a great guy. And then since I'm now one of our, our friends from our group DMs and we've been playing Almost, almost four years now, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Cause mm-hmm. we, we started playing kind of fall 2016. So it's been lots of fun. So you've got to play with me as a player, um, as mm-hmm. a DM, we've, you know, done plenty of other nerdy things together since then. It's been a really cool kind of fun journey. So kind of now that you've been playing for a few years, what do you think, uh, what do you think about D and D? Like, what is it that you enjoy about the game? Uh, just the role play. Like really, I know that's kind of broad, but I really enjoy, you know, and you know, this, like the character creation and getting into it and sort of the self-discovery by proxy that takes place and like the way that, that you, you know, okay. So I'm back up a little bit. My, my psychology mentor and professor and mentor defines a relationship as you and me in the space between us. And so D and D is, is kind of like that. It's like a, like a microcosm, like experimental space where there's you and the other players 
and then also the game and then what you all co-create together in that space between you that is, I don't know, that's just really, really cool to me. Yeah, the, I, that's that's one of my favorite things too. And that's a much more nuanced and intelligent way of explaining what I ramble on for you know minutes trying to explain. So I'm going to steal that. Um, yeah, I, I think that's what we both enjoy together is that dynamic of storytelling and creation and kind of that space in between being a playground for creativity yeah. and um, co-creation. And, and it's definitely a lot of fun. I, I always think about when we initially made our first characters for like our first big campaign, mm-hmm. uh, because I think I made mine in about three minutes and yeah. uh, it, there was not a lot of depth to them. And I was like, cool, let's go. And, uh, and that was not your approach. How did you go about making, <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> you go about making your y'all? Okay. I don't even remember. Like, so I think I read the entire like player's handbook first. Like, and then I went through like their process of building a character and they're, you know, and they're like, well, you need a background. And the background is really important to me as a player. I know, you know, obviously everyone plays differently, but for me, if I don't have a really fleshed out background, like it's like you're just dropped into a place and you have amnesia or you're like in some sort of like dissociative fugue state. Like I wouldn't know what to do. Like, who are my parents? Like, where did I come from? You know, like, and so initially fleshing out that first background was like, it was kind of intimidating to me, but I was like, well, this is what I got to do if I'm going to play. You are a very, in many ways, like by the rules person in the sense of like, I would say like, like the direction say, okay, to play the game, like you do these things. And so you're like, all right, well, I need to pick a background. I need to do not in like a pedantic way, but I was just kind of like, "Ah, I don't even need to read that. I'll just figure it out. And you're like, well, I should probably know what I'm getting into. So you have the people who read the entire instruction manual before they put together the Ikea furniture. And then they put together the Ikea furniture or you have the people who just like toss it out with the box and just go. And and so I'm the kind of person who I'm like, yeah, like know all of the rules so that when you like tweak them or bend them or flex them, like, you know what you're doing, you know? And so, so yeah, that was kind of the approach I took. And also I just, for my own understanding of the game, I just wanted to be fully immersed in that process. Yeah. And so I, uh, so I modeled my first character, do you want me to kind of go into? Yeah, yeah, no, uh, okay. go for it. Talk, like, like what your process was, because again, it was, it was really interesting. And you kind of replicated it and refined it, I think, afterwards with yeah, yeah. You know, future characters. But yeah, go for, sure. go for it. Yeah, so for my first character, I wanted her to be a wood elf. And um, I kind of went with this idea that, um, so to back up a little bit, like I do not have, or I did not have a good and healthy relationship with my father. He was an alcoholic and... Um, obviously I know now struggled with a lot of his own internal issues and battles that he just never really dealt with. And so took that out, um, on the people around him. And so we did not have a good relationship and he passed away several years ago, but I, um, I went into this character creation of like, you know, actually my mom had like posted a re- like a photo on their anniversary of like, of them, like when they were much younger, like well before I was born, and like, I remember that photo, like my mom looked so happy and so joyful. And like, my dad was smiling and it was just it's a really sweet and beautiful photo. And I was like, well, what if those were my parents? Like, what if I had always had the parents who were happy and joyful? And like, what if I had had a loving father, you know, my mom and I are very close, but like, what if we'd had like a happy, loving, cohesive family unit? And so I was like, I'm going to give that to my character. I'm going to act that out. I'm going to experiment with that. 
And so, um, so I made this character, her mom was a Druid and her dad was a bard and, um, and, you know, modeled a a couple of things after my dad, um, in that the, some positive traits. And so, but then for her, for her background, I, um, I actually, I just wrote out like in narrative form, wrote out an entire, like, like mini adventure, I guess you could say for her, um, in which, you know, and like to do that, I had to study like other classes and races and abilities and like spell casting and like all this kind of stuff to kind of have it make sense. But yeah, I like, I fleshed out this entire thing. I, I designed and I designed a costume by myself. I created the pattern. I designed an embroidery and learned how to embroider and made this costume um, and like fully like got like cosplayed up and like, had you take a picture of me and like Photoshop it and everything. And like, I was like two seconds from ordering like a wood flute on the internet. And then I was like, okay, this is your sign that you need to stop. Like you're, you're good with this character. But yeah, that was kind of my, my approach for that first one. Well, and I think what struck me at the time and, and has since then is that how, how important it was to you all those different pieces, like even, even, you know, small things. I'm not going to say insignificant things because they were clearly significant, but it was very important to you. Like the details. Yeah. That Mm -hmm. if you were going to be embodying this character, that like the traits would be true, not necessarily like a pure reflection of yourself, but true Mm -hmm. to her so that you could like play her and like fully embody her. Right. Yeah. Like, like fully essentially realize her as a person Mm -hmm. again, kind of versus me where I was like, Oh yeah, it's a, it's a blue, Tiefling and he's he's cocky and uh, mm-hmm. and that's what I got. Let's go. Yeah, um, and, and that is uh, kind of an interesting contrast in how we play. Even now in our current uh, campaign, we're playing through Strahd. Mm-hmm. Um, my character again is very much like I think a little more nuanced going in, but very much I was like, you know what, I'm going to learn on the fly who he is because I I just have trouble sitting down and doing that. Uh, conceptualizing like that you're able to do with um with your characters especially your current incredibly morbid yet amazing uh character that you're playing in Curse yeah. of Strahd. Yeah. And so I've kind of like have followed that same model and so for the for the first one I modeled her backstory after a story from my one of my absolute favorite books Women Who Weren't um, Women Who Run With the Wolves by Clarissa Pinkola Estes, I believe is how you say her name. Um but the the fairy tale or the folklore um, that she talks about in this book, one of them is Vasilisa the Wise, which is this, it's kind of the original Cinderella story, but without like the Prince Charming and all mm-hmm. of the, you know, BS, um, you know, and in the story, she, you know, she is this girl and she does have the wicked stepmother and the wicked stepsisters and they're essentially trying to kill her. And so they send her out on this impossible task to go get fire from the woods. And they think that she's just going to like go out in the woods and die. Um, But she ends up, you know, going to the Baba Yaga and, you know, doing all of these impossible tasks. And, you know, she gives her, you know, a skull filled with light um, and that what she takes back to her wicked step family. Um, And so I modeled Althea, my wood elf. um, I modeled her backstory after that. Um, and so that was, you know, a really interesting, um, thing. And so her name was Althea Vasilisa and Althea meaning healer. Um, and then her, her child name was Fane, which I think meant like radiant or like light or flame or something like that. And so again, like pulling on some of those, um, those like symbols from that, yeah. that story. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and again, that, I think that all ties into, I, I think kind of how, who you are in life in general, as far as like, 
like looking at um, the bigger, deeper pictures and the stories mm-hmm. and synthesizing those things into into what you do. But um, particularly, it, it happens in your game. So since it's my show and we get to talk about whatever we want, let's let's talk about your characters because again, they all they all entertain me, um, and and clearly you enjoy playing them. So if if we back up, that was our first kind of big campaign, but the campaign I DM'd, everybody kind of just pulled, uh, you know, like I think the generic starter characters from the starter set that we had and you mm-hmm. ended up with with Bairn, um but i actually i ended up like remaking him and tweaking him a little bit for when we played uh water deep dragon heist yeah you brought him back yeah i did and so um and obviously tweaked him a bit or i, I think I, I kept his name and his race and everything he was a dwarf and so because by this point you know i had you know i'd played for a little bit and i had discovered I think what I kind of knew initially going in, but had really kind of come more into my consciousness that like, you know, it's obvious that like when we make D and D characters, we are exploring our parts of self. Um, and so I really wanted to lean into that. And when I, I do that now intentionally with character creation and not that it's something to be forced, but it's something that I want to be mindful of so that I can let it play. You know, I can let all those parts of self come out to play. And so again, like coming in, like thinking about those archetypes and those kinds of things are like, that's what is really fun to me now about character creation. And so, so I took Baron, he's a hill dwarf and, um, I gave him the last name bear hugger again. Um, that's, uh, named after a story again from women who run with the wolves called the crescent moon bear. And, um, And so that whole story is about, I think it's this woman who her husband comes home from war and he is, you know, suffering from PTSD and she doesn't know how to connect with him anymore. And so she goes to ask this like wise old person or a mage or something. She's like, what do I do? And, you know, they tell her, well, I need, you know, one hair from the back of this, from the crescent moon bear. And so she goes into the, she goes on this whole journey to figure out how to obtain this hair. And, you know, this, this whole thing, you know, she figures out how to get the hair. She finally gets the hair and the bear is enraged. And so she goes running back to the village and she takes the hair to this, this mage or this wise person and they let the hair go just in the wind. And she's like, what are you doing? I had to do all this work to get the hair. And she's like, well, we didn't need the hair. What we needed was the you who has gone through the process of confronting the bear, you know? Um, and so that's, that was his legend or his story. So I made his backstory around that, that he, you know, came from this little hill tribe where, um, you know, or village where his town needed something. It's not, it wasn't as fleshed out as Althea's story. Obviously it was a little more chilled by this point. Um, you know, but his, his village needed something. And so he, you know, was sent to go to go help and he wrestled this bear, um, you know, kind of the same idea he brought back you know, what he needed, which was himself, um, you know, himself being a person who has now confronted this great thing and, you know, gained some kind of power or wisdom from it. And so, um, but then I kind of like told, we, we like role played it together or all of us in our party, um, that no one knew his legend. They were just like bear hugger. What does that mean? And, you know, and there were all these kind of ridiculous rumors about him that was kind of humorous and he, but he would never acknowledge it or give it the time of day. Um, and so that was his, you know, backstory. And I played him as a rogue, but he was also a stone worker. And I really enjoyed him because this, for me, this was exploring the part of myself who, um, who one really likes knowing things and the part of myself, I have a hard time with this part, but that, um, 
that is more judicious and um, just uh, cautious, not cautious, but just more judicious with language, with letting people know like what I know. I, I tend to be kind of like hot headed and always saying what's on my mind. And um, but he he was a rogue and I made him a rogue specifically who was very perceptive and who was good at sneaking around and gathering information and kind of just like learning what needed to be done to, to get what he and his party needed. And so, um, which is always like, if everyone's like, you know, what would your superpower be? That would be my superpower. I would just know things. I would be able to know like what people are thinking and like what's going on. And, um, and so, so that was Baron. So that was a lot of fun for me. Yeah. We ran that through the, the water deep, Dragon mm-hmm. Heist, which was a was, was an awesome campaign. I highly recommend it to anyone who enjoys playing the uh, the published adventures. Yeah, and then uh, we then jumped fairly quickly into uh, Death House and Curse of Strahd, and, and yeah, brought a whole different. Well, you came up with two different characters. Yeah. So before I think like I don't remember when in the process, but we I had made I went ahead and like made a new character just because I was like oh I'm feeling inspired and I want to make a new character, but then we talked about playing Curse of Strahd and. Our DM was like, I don't really, you know, I just want you to know, like, this is not going to be like water deep, you know, and I, I didn't want to get too many spoilers. But um, and so long story short, I ended up just making another a second character who I am playing. And so um, do you want me to talk about Tavi or Esmeralda first? Your choice. All right. Well, we'll go with with Tavi. And I think I don't know. I think to introduce her, we should just talk about our most recent encounter. Yeah, sure. What do you, do you think? To, yeah, I'll, I'll queue up in and we'll try not okay. to spoil uh, Curse of Strahd. Um, but I think most people know it, vampires, gothic horror. Uh, long story short, we were exploring a building um, and we ran into a, uh, a, yeah, I don't think this will spoil anything. We ran well, just, into, if you're playing Curse of Strahd or you want to, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. I, but I don't, I don't think we're going to be spoiling anything. We, uh, we ran into a character who was creating a a creature from scratch if you will like assembling mm-hmm. it from parts of, of other people and uh and yeah that was kind of our introduction to him and i'll, I'll let you jump from there because it was it was a very tavi uh tavi interaction yeah so well just a tiny bit of background she is a blood hunter um and so you know it's you your character my character and then our our other friend's character we're sitting at the table across from this guy um, who we quickly discover to be, you know, mad um, and doing these kind of experiments on living creatures and creating um, creating a bride uh, for for Strahd. And so we, um, but he, you know, was like, oh, I need a face, I need a face. And I was, and, and so immediately Tavi, um, she's like, well, I'll get you a face. And I didn't communicate this with anyone else in the party at the time. Um, but I was just like, I'm going to cut this guy's face off and sew it to this bride. Like that's, what's going to happen. And so, but, um, me and our, and our other friend who play, we're both Kalash, Kalashtar. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Kalashtar, Kalashtar, yeah. something like that. No one knows how to pronounce it. Race okay. names in were, were those things, those, those, those creatures that can talk with mind link. And so we always have a group chat going in our group. And so I was kind of like mind linking you, like just go ahead and like, she like fire hand him or whatever you yeah. do. And, uh, 
And so you do. And then turns out he's like a CR 10 character, which I don't even really know what that means, but difficult. He was, he was, he was difficult for us for a party of three level seven. Uh, it was a, it was a, it was touch and go. Yeah. I thought we, we all thought we were going to be like out yeah. at one point. I thought you were the only one left standing, but it was, wasn't quite that bad. But, um, and so long story short, we go through this, this great battle. We kill him. We kill, you know, one of the other little creatures that like worked for him. Um, managed to keep the bride alive. And then I, uh, our DM was like, well, roll with disadvantage for your face transplant because, you know, your subject is like alive and like squirming and like screaming and stuff. So I rolled a 19 and a 20 mm-hmm. with a, with a plus six to my medicine. So, uh, so yeah, I highly detailed sutures. I performed a, an exquisite face transplant and then, uh, and then, and then drained his blood just for the touch, the extra. Yeah. So you, you definitely, you definitely took the whole kind of macabre, <laughs> like Barovian mm-hmm. Gothic theme and, and ran with it. Yeah. Which again, you know, having played with you with, with a much kind of more like justice centric, like, you know, character in, and your, in your wood elf initial one that was very like, Oh, we, we do the right thing and we're going to go do the right thing now. Um, in lots of ways, yeah. this one's just kind of like, uh, yeah, no, I'm going to do, uh, whatever seems right right now. Yeah. Well, I think Althea was much more like, um, she had, she had the wisdom of childhood, uh, and, you know, and I, I played her a bit naive on purpose, um, cause she was still seeking that, you know, wise old woman wisdom, you know? Um, and, and I think because of that, she was often sort of like discounted or brushed off by other people in her party. Um, but Tavi, on the other hand, is very kind of like, kind of like above seeing, not, a, not necessarily above seeing right and wrong, but like, that's just not the, like, she's concerned with like, with just life and death and like the cycle of rebirth and, you know, and like, just kind of looking at like, okay, beyond good or bad or right or wrong, like, let's look at what is happening and let's not have any qualms about it. And let's explore that and figure it out and, you know, and play in it. Um, and so, so yeah, she's, she's a ghost slayer, blood hunter. Her name is Lash Tavar, which means darkness that dreams in Quarry. And she goes by Tavi. Her last name is Vince, a la Vincent Price. And I have the eye of Dendalin, which I have recently named Dolly. After uh, an item created by a previous guest on the show, Griffin McCauley uh, of Griffin's Saddlebag. It is a uh, creepy as hell. And it's very, very fortuitous that you're the one that found it because yeah. when you find it and you like fail your role, it, uh, you dig your own eye out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, it's, it was intense. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, it, so, and it jumps in in its place. Yeah. And so, which is like ironic, I guess, for me on multiple levels because like I have like, I have a history of like fainting, like when I go to the eye doctor. <laughs> and so, so I was like, oh my gosh, of all the people in our party to get this. But then it was also cool to explore that part of myself who is not afraid. Um, you know, that part of myself who is just so curious that like, like nothing is going to get in the way of that curiosity. Because like, even as, you know, in character, as I'm clawing my eye out, like I'm not upset about it because I am just so curious about this other eye and like what I want to see what it looks like to look through this eye. And like, there was, there was nothing upsetting about it for me in that character. So again, that was a cool way to explore that part of myself who was, um, I think who was just so like secure in my own being that I was just unafraid to do it. You know, like you said, like you make very intricate, uh, detailed backstories 
And I enjoyed some of your inspiration when you were originally coming up with this character uh, for her. Yeah. So I'll just kind of read it um, because I've gotten to the point now where I make my own kind of custom backgrounds and, um, and for my other character, I made a custom subclass. So for Tavi, I made her a maester of the order of Kyburn. And so I'll just kind of read this because I wrote most, some of it came from other things in D and D beyond. Um, but she says with unquenchable curiosity, I studied as a maester at one of the many prestigious schools. However, I became inquisitive to the point of obsession with the more macabre areas of study. My questions slowly began to concern the Grand Maesters, and eventually my experiments warranted my expulsion from my school. But fortunately, through whispers and underground networking, I found an order of Maesters whose practices stray well beyond the bounds of normal ethics. The Maester Order of Kyburn views everything as part of a larger ecosystem, a never-ending cycle of life, death, rot, and rebirth. I've spent my life in the slow churn of that ecosystem, in the dark places of the cities where the messy parts of existence are on display. There's little squeamishness, no fear of death or taboo about the dead, just fierce affirmation of the cycle. So that is Tavi, like a Kyburn, Edward Scissorhands, kind of like, I'm just here to chop stuff up and find out about it. Well, and I think when you were first making it too, you mentioned kind of like an, like an uber manic, like Dr. House yeah. kind of thing, right? Yeah. yeah. And I, I do play her pretty manic. I don't know how it comes across. But. Very manic. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> okay. And we also gave her Crimson Advantage. I think oh, you've yeah, talked yeah. about you should, that before. You should, you should, you should, I think I might have mentioned that, but you should talk about it. Yeah. So our generous and benevolent DM let me create a Crimson Advantage, which again, I don't, I mean, as a difference between like dudes, I guess, but like I hear about Blood Hunter and I'm like, oh, and you have to like, you know, bleed in order to like imbue your weapon with the, you know, magical powers. And I was like, well, what about when you're on your period? And like all the dudes at the table are like, what? And I was like, well, you're already bleeding like five to seven days out of the month. Like, shouldn't that apply? Yeah. Doesn't that count? Like, what is this? And so, yeah. So my DM gives me crimson advantage the first five days of each moon cycle in our game where, uh, when I do my crimson, uh, my crimson, right. Um, I roll with advantage and I take the lower amount of, of damage for my, for my right. Yeah. So, so Mercer, if you're out there and you're looking for the next update for the Blood Hunter class, uh, we've got one for you. Feel free. Um, yeah, yeah, we'll we'll share it gladly. But, uh, but again, and it's you know this can be a whole sidetrack thing, but it is kind of interesting, right? Because like I, you know, most dudes are not going to look at a Blood Hunter and, and have that thought at all because that is an experience totally outside of our own. And uh, you know, something something patriarchy. Most of the game has been created by by dudes, so consideration of just like women's experiences, not just as like, uh, you know, characters in the game, but just players in general doesn't always come into bear. And so I don't know. I thought it was super cool. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was definitely very cool. Yeah. That's fun. I thought about giving her like a midwifery background, but I decided to go a little bit a lot more darker. Yeah. Hardcore. <laughs> well, yeah, go ahead and, uh, talk about your, your last character and then we'll do a quick break and we'll, uh, then we'll talk more about some of your, your storytelling stuff that you're into. Yeah. So Esmeralda, it was the other character that I had created. And I think I'll play her next time we're in a not Barovia setting. Um, But she is a shadow elf. And I did, I modeled her after Esmeralda from the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Um, Because as a kid, she was my, she was my favorite heroine. I was never into the princesses. She was my favorite. Um, You know, and I remember the first time I saw that movie being, I was about six years old when it came out. My mom took me to the theater to see it. And And I have this memory of like sitting in the chair and like watching her sing God help the outcast and like having this realization, 
you know, cause I, I was raised in, in the church and I went to Sunday school and everything. And I had this kind of like, I don't know, this, this like warm, happy, like wash feeling of like, Oh, like she is like, she's like a girl, Jesus. Like she, she is like a, she's like a female Christ figure. Like, obviously I wasn't using that language as a six-year-old, but like, that's what I would say now, you know, um, you know, she just had this unwavering clarity about what's truly right and wrong. Not a lot of times what we think or try to impose on the world or on others, but you know, it, it didn't matter what it looked like. It didn't matter that Quasimodo was a hunchback. It didn't matter, you know, that the people in power were saying that this other thing was right. And she, you know, she wasn't distracted by the stupid guards, handsome face, you know, she saw him for what he was, you know, until he changed and she, she just saw things for what they were and she fought for justice and she fought for a right. And she was just very loving. And, um, and so she was, she was my favorite heroine um, when I was a kid and, and still is. I even like took up belly dancing as an adult to like connect with her more. Yeah. To just connect with that character. Um, and so, so I made a, a shadow elf named Esmeralda and um, she's also going to be a rogue, but then I made a custom subclass for her that we named Bardic Trickster. Um, so it has a lot of the same like kind of bones and outline of the, was it like the arcane trickster? Um, but with, you know, pulling from like the bard class and everything, because she is, of course, an adult entertainer because she's Esmeralda. But then I also gave her a charlatan background. And part of that, you get like a, like an, I forget what it's called, like an alter ego or whatever. And so her, her other persona is, a, is just a regular old, like male dude, human, um, who is like a glass blower and makes, you know, beautiful glass trinkets and toys and like sells them to like noble people and their children. Um, again, really trying to like, you know, just keep a, keep a pulse on like what is going on and like the ins and outs of the town where she lives and stuff like that. And so yeah, that's Esmeralda. What I enjoy about what you do with those is uh, again, I don't want to say, I don't know, it's shocking to me. It sounds too funny or too like ridiculous, but like, you know, I, I enjoyed this game. I originally was like, Oh man, let's play this. You can do anything in this game. And then you were like, cool. I want to make my own class. And I was like, nah, I don't know if you can do that. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, fuck you. You can do anything in this game. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's, and that's been your approach. And that's been like, it's been really fun because, because again, like all the details are important to you. And mm -hmm. it's been kind of like encouraging to me to explore how I can play and what I can do with characters and not necessarily feel constrained by like, well, you know, it says that a monk has to be this way. Or like, if you're going to be a rogue, you mm -hmm. better be stabby, stabby, sneaky, sneaky. Like, right, yeah. like for you, it's more about like the archetypes and, yeah. and then like not wanting to be, you know, tied down by, well, it says this class only gets this like, okay, mm -hmm. well that doesn't make sense for your person. Right. Um, yeah. So, so all of your stuff fits the personality first versus like, how do I fit the person into the class. Yeah, exactly. Which is really kind of freeing, I think. Yeah, it is. I mean, and it's certainly like, as you know, like, like the first time we were going to play D and D, like we got in a huge fight, like, because like, I like, cause like you, we both basically, I think both felt like we were trying to tell the other person we couldn't play the game, how we wanted to play it, you know, but like, yeah, you were telling me like, well, I don't know if you can like, the DM is going to have to approve if that's your background. And if that, if you really come from this land and this forest, and if this is really a thing for your people. And I was like, what the hell? Like, this is my character, you know, in this most recent time, like my DM, our DM and I, now we went back and forth a lot. And like, 
you know, like Jay, I'm sorry. I don't want this to crush you. But like, I spent several days like crying. I was like, I'm not like, I'm not going to be able to like play this character. And like, this is like, you know, but you know, but he worked with me, you know, and, and there does have to be this back and forth and this balance of like, you, you do have the boundaries of the container of the mechanics of the game for a reason, right? You can't just break the game, you know, and you also have to have, you know, the flexibility within that for the expression, you know, of the, of the character, you know? And so, you know, like we've said, our, our DM is very benevolent. And yeah, so he's, he's yeah. super cool. And, and that speaks to, to like the importance of like, like the game and what's so interesting about it to me is that it's not just collaborative storytelling at the table. Collaboration has to exist off the table as well. I see I'm in a couple different like D and D groups on Facebook or you see it on Twitter all the time where somebody's like, my DM will not let me do blank or a DM's like my players are doing blank. And, and people always come in like with their very firm and hard, like, well, you should definitely do this or you should do that. I'm like, no, you should go talk to your player. (laughs) Yeah. You should go talk to each other. Like you're, you're collaborating in real life so that you can have a good and fun collaboration. Everybody enjoys at the table and mm-hmm. uh, communication is important. I know that as a therapist, you needed to hear that from me to, to really understand it. So if you want me to mansplain that for you a little bit, we can spend the rest of the episode doing that. But instead, what if we gave a shout out to another one of my awesome sponsors, awesomedice.com. If you want dice, they've got them. They're awesome. You can go to awesomedice.com, get some sweet dice for your games. Use the code roll persuasion at checkout, save 10%. That supports the show. But they really do uh, always have really, really cool new designs and materials and, and really just legitimately awesome stuff coming out. So please check them out. AwesomeDice.com. They support the show. Your purchases support the show. And I appreciate it very, very much. So diving back in, like those, those have been all your characters. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll see. Maybe I'll, uh, if you're cool with it, maybe I'll link to like your character sheets or some of the, sure, the class yeah. stuff you wrote, mm-hmm. like in the show notes or on Twitter. Um, so people can check them out. We, we even talked about like releasing, you know, what if we had like a Patreon level of, of like these cool subclasses that you've yeah. made to share with people. So who knows? Maybe that will happen someday. But now that you've, now that you've been playing this game for a bit, the, is there anything about it that surprises you or that like going into it when we first started playing, when we were total noobs, um, that, that you weren't expecting or parts of it maybe that you weren't expecting to enjoy? I, I don't know. Kind of like, now, four years later, like, what is your perspective on the game now that you are an old and hardened vet? Um, I don't know. I think, like, I think the kind of the aspect that I'm really, like, leaning into now with Tavi, which is that, like, you don't control the outcome. Like, she is very much here just to, like, she's going to go get in the pool and play but she's not going to be mad if like the waves crash over her head, you know, or if she struggles, you know, um, you know, because like you can't, you can't control the dice rolls. You can't control what the other players do or what the story does or anything like that. Um, and so at the beginning, like that, that was much harder for me as a person who, you know, likes control. Um, you know, at the beginning that was like pretty hard for me when I would get a bad dice roll. I'm like, Stupid. And like, you know, and I, and everyone has those days, you know, but, but I think now I'm like really leaning into like, like, okay, like whatever happens, like Tavi is just going to manically go with it and like be excited about it. Um, cause like even for a while, like, like briefly I had like a, like, what was it? Like a rotting flesh disease or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, all right, well maybe this will get me an in with the werewolves. They'll believe that I'm an undead. And, and, you know, she was totally cool with it, even though like, that is not normally a part of myself that I let, you know, drive the, drive the boat, so to speak. How do you think 
your your background in psychology and and therapy and and I asked this because um I previously had a uh, Dr. Megan Connell on the show several months ago who uses like D and D therapeutically like like what as like as a therapist and someone in the mental health field how does that like impact maybe not maybe not just how you play the game but how you view it how you kind of approach it because I, I definitely from the outside looking in it seems like it does so I'd love to hear kind of in your words how that plays into what you do in the game yeah for sure like I said like. For me, the biggest thing, like I'm very into like the parts of self work, um, which comes from like a gestalt kind of background, which is, you know, it's the idea that, you know, we all have multiple parts of self, you know, and it exists on this spectrum of, you know, at one end being like a, a completely fully integrated person who is aware of your inner child and your inner wisdom and, you know, your, your, your executive or whatever your parts of self are named or whatever you decide to call them you know, all the way onto the other end of the spectrum where you have people with multiple personalities. Um, and that typically happens because, because of a trauma, you know, it's usually a trauma experience at a very young age where, you know, your, yourself, your capital S self is in danger. And so they decide, well, the only way to protect myself is to split off to like literally cut off parts of my psyche to protect myself. And so that's where you get you know, people who have different personalities that like don't know how to coexist in an integrated way within the same person. Um, and so that's, you know, obviously one extreme end of the spectrum and the other end is, you know, you're completely, you know, integrated and healthy. You're aware of all of those parts. You're aware of how they work together. You're aware of, you know, just kind of your own inner workings. Um, and you're aware that you're the CEO at that table. Yeah. And, and like you've talked about, the game kind of lets you explore if you are not a fully integrated person, like mm-hmm. I think many of us, many of us probably are not quite there yet. It lets you explore or have a safe space for those different parts of self to kind of like, you said, like drive the boat, if you will, yeah. or, or, you know, play a bigger role than you might let them in your day to day life. Yeah. And like I said, like, even if it's not something you're aware, of, like you don't have to be aware of it mm-hmm, to be, yeah. you know, to be experiencing that, that is still, that still can be, really, you know, cathartic or therapeutic for you to, you know, to just experiment with something that normally feels totally foreign to you or dangerous even in your normal life. Um, yeah. Cause I'm not clawing my eye out in real life. That would be not something I would ever do, but sure. you know, that was a, that was a really good way for me to like, like, all right, you're going to lean into this totally different thing. That is, that's actually good for me. Like I said, I've based most of my character's backgrounds on stories that Clarissa Pinkola Estes has written about in her book. Um, and if you're not familiar with her, get yourself familiar with her, especially, um, you know, for the part of yourself that is a woman um, or the part of yourself that is female. Um, because she, um, so some background on her, look her up, but she grew up um, in a community near the Great Lakes. She's Native American and Mexica Spanish and first generation American. And so she was raised in a culture that was still very much based on oral tradition, um, you know, oral, you know, songs and history and dances and chanting and like ancient ways of healing. Um, And then she went on from there and to become a Jungian psychologist. And so she's a psychoanalyst now of that training and does, um, I think, post-trauma work, a lot of that. And so, um, so Jungian, meaning Carl Jung, is like kind of like her school of study. And then she also studied a lot of just like world religions and lore and folk tales. 
And so all of her work is about kind of understanding, you know, those archetypes of the collective unconscious that we express and have expressed over the history of humanity through our religions and folklore and, you know, all of the ways that we express ourselves and tell our stories. Um, And so if you're not familiar with Carl Jung, he studied under Freud and his big contribution was the idea of individuation, which is discovering your true self um, from the different elements that you experience of your conscience and your unconscious. Um, and so he's famous for those, those archetypes of the collective unconscious. It's a huge book. One of his 22 books that's like insanely long and like a real trip to read on many levels. Um, but yeah, so she studied under that. And, um, and so that's kind of, you know, that's, that's my approach. That's kind of, that's a little bit of my approach to doing therapy and, you know, in your own inner work. Um, but it's definitely my approach to D and D characters. Yeah. Super cool. Well, this has been pretty fun. I I'm glad that, uh, we actually, you know, recorded my first ever episode. You were kind enough to be a guest on my test episode, which uh, mm-hmm. is sitting on my hard drive somewhere. We covered some of the same stuff, but it was, yeah, you don't need to publish it. Yeah, that was, it was a <laughs> test run for both of us, um, recorded in our kitchen on, on a less than ideal gear and situation. So I'm glad that we could now, you know, it's not even been a year actually. Really? Yeah. Okay. It hasn't even been a year. Now we've come to actually get to have you on the show. So I'm oh, super yeah. glad that you, uh, joined and jumped on. So if you've listened before, you know that my Patreon supporters, patreon.com slash roll for persuasion, get access to a bonus segment of the show on their special super secret feed where I do a little segment that I like to call the zone of truth, where I chat with my guests about usually non D and D stuff, uh, stuff that they're into stuff that they're nerdy about stuff that they like to talk about. And uh, I, I think Des with, with you, we're probably going to segue off a little bit of some of your, again, like your psych background and kind of your approach, I think to life in general. Yeah. So it's going to, it's going to be a very, and this is so very true to you. It's, it's going to be a little bit nebulous. It's not like yeah. we're going to sit down and talk about Pokemon. We're going to talk about everything. Yeah. Yeah. And, and how all of that integrates like for you. So if, if you like to nerd out about the brain and how the brain works and life in general, uh, definitely stick around. If you are interested in supporting the show again, you can go to patreon.com slash rule for persuasion. Not only do you get access to the zone of truth, from this segment, you get access to previous ones with people like Mark Humes and Satine Phoenix and Adam Bradford and and just all the cool different guests we've had. Um, you get to go check out their segments and future ones. Future guests include a Todd Kenrick. We're going to be chatting with him actually on Twitch next week. We're going to be doing our first ever live stream Twitch. So make sure you check that out and you can support the show and uh, help make sure it happens because I enjoy doing it and you guys seem to enjoy listening. So thank you to my supporters and uh, oh, shout out new supporter travis what's up dude i appreciate you uh supporting patreon and uh i'm a supporter of your patreon so we're like patreon eskimo brothers that's pretty cool and uh you could be one too at patreon.com slash roll or persuasion i want to say thank you to my wife my best friend desiree for being on the show and talking about this game that we like playing stick around if you are a patreon supporter you can check out more of our conversation patreon.com slash roll for persuasion you can follow the show on instagram and twitter at roll persuasion uh if i'm on youtube i'm not big enough yet to have the youtube.com slash whatever but just search roll for persuasion on there if you did not catch our live stream game with uh jenny d adam bradford anjali bamani myself uh, brian w foster playing some DD for charity that is on there it's a really cool game you can go check it out you can also go to twitch.com slash rule for persuasion to check out the vod there lots of cool stuff coming guys i've got some great guests lined up we're coming up on a year of the show so i'm gonna have to come up with something really cool 
to celebrate one year of Roll for Persuasion. I'm not sure what it is yet, but keep an eye out. It's going to be fun. And until next time, enjoy your games.